Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists who are committed to planetary purpose, or in other words, holistic visions for planet Earth. My name is Julian Guderlei, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Wen Jie Ying. She's the founder and boss at Local Roots New York City, a small business that has revolutionized the way New Yorkers shop for food. The idea is to subscribe online for three months of food that comes directly from a farm within two hours of New York. Pick it up at a neighborhood bar, cafe, or have it delivered. And it's customized farmer's markets literally brought right to you. And Wenjie believes the way we eat can change the world and is dedicated to healing our local food system. Uh, she was awarded Entrepreneur of the Year by former Mayor Bloomberg, New Yorker of the Week by NY1, Wants to Watch by Cherry Bomb, and was a special guest invited to attend the 50th year anniversary UN Global Goals Gala due to her work in the field of sustainable agriculture. And so with these words, I'm excited for our conversation. Welcome, Wendy. Hi, from New York City. What's up? Yeah. Good stuff. I, I love the topic you're dedicated to. I feel like everyone's got to eat it, right? Everyone does has, have to eat. Um, they don't always have to eat local food, but we can always encourage them to. Right. Can you, can you start right from the top there? Like for everyone who doesn't know or everyone who wants to like learn more about it, like why does it matter to eat local food? And maybe like even beyond the regular carbon footprint thing that most people are kind of aware of at this point. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, people should eat local food because having a healthier food system for our land and our bodies will completely change the world. Uh, there is a statistic from the Rodale Institute, who's based in Pennsylvania, that if we were to convert all the cropland and all the um, pasture to regenerative agriculture, we can sequester uh, more than 100% of our CO2 in the atmosphere. So essentially, on a higher level, at a very big level, if we want to fight climate change, the easiest way is to eat local food that's been grown sustainably from farms who care about their soil. Because soil is the biggest and best way to absorb CO2 and bring it back into our earth. So that's one level where if you eat local food from great farmers, they're going to take care of the dirt and the land so that it can help fight climate change. And also that healthy land is going to be a better and more valuable um, asset to our world for generations to come versus what's happening in our you know industrial agriculture where our land is kind of just being stripped of nutrients just used for an instant profit but it's not thinking about the long-term uh, effect of those farming techniques and obviously these farms who are growing in your nearby region who are using regenerative practices, um, and I'll go into what that is later, but they're also yeah. not using pesticides and they're growing food and harvesting it, your vegetables at peak nutrition so that when you're eating your vegetables, you're also getting the most nutrients out of it. So there was a statistic, there's a, there was a study done that studied 20 years of nutrients in vegetables. And in 20 years, our vegetables have actually lost approximately 27% calcium. That's one example. Mm. And it's across the board, you know, vitamin C. And, and the thing is, it's because one, we are harvesting our vegetables to uh, have a long shelf life to get shipped across the world instead of when it's at its peak nutrient level. We're also picking varieties of vegetables that have a long shelf life. 
and um, all those different things. And also the longer your food travels for, it's a living specimen. So the longer it's, once it's harvested from its earth, his life source, which is the earth, it's slowly dying, right? So if you're eating something that's a week or a week and a half old, think about how long it's been out of its life source. So local food is recently harvested, brought to you. So it's gonna have as many nutrients as possible. So if you're gonna be spending money on food and you're eating the food and you think you're doing the right thing for your body and the earth, it, to me, it's important people to know um, that their choices are the, the ones that they think they're making. And to me, that's just supporting local farms that are sustainable. So that's one level of why. And yeah, totally. That's just one level. I already love what you're saying. I yeah. just told you before we started this recording, I live on Vancouver Island and um, this like hundred mile diet idea has been kind of floating for quite a while. And I love seeing that it starts making waves in, in cities. And um, keep sharing like why it is so important to eat local, but maybe, maybe I can like throw this in there. I feel like the one thing I always have at the top of my mind about big cities is like they're actual food deserts, right? Like there's nothing growing in them and possibly we might want to have that change as well. But it feels like with bringing the circus, the, the, the circle and radius closer, we're somewhat more connected to the nutrients and, and the energetics of the food. Yeah, I think that, well, one, so we define local to be within two hours of New York City. And I think it's important to define what local means because really that's just a marketing term at this point. Um, and um, so we're defining what within two hours of New York City. So most farms that you're buying food from, say you're in New York, right? Most of the produce you're getting is either from grown internationally or it is um, from California or Arizona. So it's traveling about five or six days. And the food that we get can be as close as upstate New York to Brooklyn. So literally across the street from our warehouse is a farm that grows vegetables on a rooftop. So our food is traveling literally a five minute drive from its harvest point to where our home base is. So we do have some, you know, I think New York actually has some really, really beautiful farmland. So we're lucky in that way, but we are a food desert in New York City, you know, like it's, it is actually pretty hard to get the kind of produce that you want. And it's not just, I think, locality of food desert, but it's almost like a mindset because we're so detached from nature and we're so detached from even knowing where your food comes from that people don't even think about it at this point. And in the city, we have so many restaurants that your most people's natural mindset is, I'm just going to get takeout. I'm going to get, you know, go to the restaurant. I'm going to go to a fast casual spot. And most people don't initially think I'm going to cook at home. So it definitely is. There's so many levels of why it's so hard in the city to remember that it's, there is a food source that's growing your food. And we can actually be a part of that as urban dwellers. Yeah, totally. I, I heard a lecture late, lately, recently, and it um, I was quoting the Dalai Lama who said, there is no such thing as fast food. There's either fasting or food. Oh, and in, in that whole lineage, right? Like it's it's all, all about bringing life force into the food, even if it's already, if it's fresh and local. I mean, different different kind of tangent because there's the, the energetics of it. But let's let's talk more about this idea of like responsible consumption and, and the, the global goals that, that exist around it. Yeah, I mean, we, especially people, you know, 
we all have a huge vote with everything, every single thing we do, right? Every decision we make is a vote towards something. So it's really my mission to um, help invite other people and make them feel empowered, even if you are in a city, that every decision you make around your food is a vote towards what you actually believe in. And everything we do has a huge impact. So, you know, for example, at our markets, um, we don't offer produce bags. We only have reusable totes or we expect our customers to bring their own tote bag. So if you think about it, like if you go to the grocery store, most people will put every item, individual item into a plastic bag, right? So you start walking home with about six or seven plastic bags. This is just the way it's like a habit of shopping. But if you don't have those bags readily available and you're in the habit of going to local roots or your CSA or farmer's market with a reusable tote, you're just gonna have one tote bag and not those millions of plastic bags you might just throw yeah. out. That's also, you know, like there's, that's why I was saying there's so many different ways that food can connect to a sustainable lifestyle. It's not just having minimal pesticides, right? It's also about packaging. Our food comes to our customers the way it is on the farm, essentially. It's naked. The only thing on it probably has a little bit of dirt on it. Um, it's not wrapped in plastic. There's no packaging on it, right? It's just the way it should be. Yeah, um, pretty much. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's kind of to me, it's a little traumatizing. Like I'm, I didn't study food studies. I didn't study sustainability. I didn't grow up like this. Um, I came to New York City to study fashion, and I just the second I got involved in food, I absolutely fell in love with it. Mm. And now when I go to the grocery store and I see how much packaging is on everything, it, it kind of traumatizes me because this is how most people shop. And it's not because they don't want to have something different or more sustainable. They just probably don't, they haven't had that aha moment yet or realize that there could be totally. an easy way to change that. Totally. Like growing up in Europe, I remember the first time I came to the States or Canada even. The States is particularly um, kind of, bad with that it's like you go to a supermarket and you just become aware you're like wow i bought a whole bunch of plastic packaging i have no idea why right and and it's just something we take for granted wenjay i would love to dig in a little bit deeper though because you, you just said you came there for fashion but then when you connected with food you, you like fell in love you would like realize there's there's me and the mission and there's a mandate and and, and suddenly energy is available can you share a little bit of how like maybe what adversity showed up before you really realized that click? Yeah, I mean, I think at that time, so I moved to New York just to go into fashion. Uh, I was playing in bands, uh, just kind of having like a regular sales job at a store. Um, I probably, if I bought produce, it was from like whatever was cheapest, right? And I would buy the same things, peppers and spinach and broccoli, kind of like the staples you grew up with in America. Um, and I don't, I'm sure I wasn't sustainable in like anything I was really doing, right? I was riding a bicycle, but, um, and then once I, I really had never even had an interest of going to a farm or even seeing what it looked like for vegetables to grow. I never thought about what it, what does kale look like? Or like, what does a potato even look like in the ground, right? I'd never thought about that for 24 years of my life. And I started doing AmeriCorps, which is like the Peace Corps, but in America. And I did that at a food justice nonprofit. And that's where I got introduced to these community-based markets where people come together and subscribe to 
produce from one local farm. And it was this amazing moment where, you know, at the time, my whole family had moved out of New York City. I was kind of alone in the city. And all of a sudden, I see these people come together. And it was such a natural way to talk to different people in your community and really bond over something that you guys both were excited about. And you could swap recipes and you talk about your family history with this, you know, like uh, elderberries or something, you know. Um, and I love that part of bringing people together. That's how I really fell in love with food. And then I also am just a supporter of the underdog and mm. I really want to support local farms. And when I, the first time I went to a farm, it was through this AmeriCorps position. I just remember being blown away with what it felt like to actually dig your hands in the dirt and eat something right out of the ground. And all of a sudden as an urbanite to have this direct connection to nature and my core existence and just, it felt really spiritual. You know, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm, I'm a being and I'm part of the universe in this world. It sounds kind of heady, but that's truly how I felt. No, I totally um, get it. It sounds like <laughs> the, the like urbanite robot existence was confronted with something more, more real, right? I mean, I feel like a lot of people can relate to those, to those experiences and myself too. Like every time I, I go for a hike or spend time in nature that is extended and I feel like I'm connecting with a substance of this planet or a form of realness of this planet, my desire to go shopping, my desire to go and watch something random on the laptop, it just goes down because I feel filled up by something that is pretty hard to describe. Yeah. But it's, it's real for me in my experience. I love how you're sharing that. Um, and then I also think that yeah. once you're part of nature, then you start realizing the ways that you want to take care of mother nature and also the ways that it's symbiotic, right? Like the more you trust mother nature, the more you take care of her, she'll also take care of you. And I just, remember, I just remember listened to this podcast about, um, soil health and how it can help fight climate change. And they're talking about how you know, we don't necessarily have to be concerned about the earth because it actually has gone through so many, it's healed itself so many times. It's gone through so many stages that it will probably keep surviving in some kind of capacity. It's more like human beings because what we're doing is really killing our way of existence, right? Because I don't know if you heard yeah. this. I think the UN has actually put this statistic out and other people have talked about this, that we're losing about 30 soccer fields of soil a minute. And we have about 60 harvests left before, if, there were, if we keep farming the way we do, we have 60 harvests left before we have no more soil left, which means we can't farm in soil anymore. So to me, I think if we don't fix something or change something, we won't be able to function as human beings in the way we know. And so what you just shared very much resonates on, on that level. I want to ask you like a follow-up question related to your favorite topic of food. Like how can, how can the people listening right now this, to this conversation, how can they take action in a way that's like, you know, not necessarily connected to this. I need to know it all. And oh my God, I got to feel guilty if I do something wrong, but just makes it much more pragmatic and much more normal so that these healthy new habits and possibilities that are being born through people like you can just turn into the new normal and we don't have to obsess over what we could do wrong. I think it's about taking the small steps, right? So if you're someone who shops at the grocery store, 
don't feel like you need to all of a sudden get rid of all your plastic bags, never go to the grocery store, be a diehard foodie. Like maybe your next step is just being bring a reasonable tote to the grocery store. Like that's one step, right? And then maybe from there, your next step is, oh, hey, like, I think I'm going to go to buy the local organic produce in the supermarket. And then from there, your next step is, you know what, I'm going to try going to the farmer's market and see what that's like. And then from there, you can start asking more questions, right? Because you don't want to shop your whole lifestyle into something new. It's way too much. It's like, if you go to the gym and start lifting 100 pound weights, you're going to feel about it, right? Then you won't go back. So it's not supposed to feel like a chore. It's supposed to feel enjoyable. Um, and for me, you know, there's so many different tiers of eating local organic produce. To me, it's actually more important to eat local. And the reason why I say that is because if you are shopping local from like a smaller farm, you can probably, you have a higher chance of being able to ask them questions if you want to, or if you're visiting the farm. Um, and I think a smaller farm has a higher chance of being able to pay really close attention to their land and paying more attention to their farming techniques um, and having and growing a diverse amount of varieties, which is important for its soil health. Um, so yeah, I would say like once you're at that higher level of, hey, I'm, I'm shopping directly from a farmer, then you can start asking their, the farmer questions like, like, what do you do to take care of your soil? And how often do you guys till? And I think asking these questions will prompt the farmer to realize, oh, this person really cares. Let me tell them yeah. a lot more information. And that could, that's like a really hard thing to do, I think, for most people. Um, I think this is why at Local Roots, we just spend so much time asking those questions for someone else so that our customers trust our brand. So maybe there's an organization, if you're not in New York City, that you have really vetted yourself like i think you should if there's a small business out there that's doing what we're doing and somewhere else email them a lot of questions if they know the answers to those questions you can probably trust them if they're like i don't know what you're talking about regenerative agriculture maybe that's not your thing but it might be easier from a consumer standpoint just to trust a company to connect you with the farmers that you would like in their life yeah, beautifully put. I, I really appreciate this. Like, don't think about step 51. If, if, just, just do step one, right? Yeah. And then ask the questions that will actually get you in touch with the realities of the people you, um, you consume from and you connect with. I have um, like um, a question kind of showed up there for me. And it, it's to do with people who are like, you can feed the world with regenerative farming um, and small scale farm. What do you say to people who, who are just like so convinced that the solution to global food distribution is large scale agricultural farming? Or do you well, meet those people at all? I meet some of those people and they think that the solution for the city is to grow hydroponic greens and that's the solution. Mm. Um, first I would ask them like, where did you get that information from? Um, who did you talk to? Did you do your research? Um, I've seen statistics where organic farming actually yields more. And also if you think about industrial agriculture, it might on a short term, maybe it looks like it's growing more food, but it's not gonna, that farmland is not going to exist soon. Right. 61 harvests left. Yeah. 60, 60. So, um, 
if you're talking about feeding people more than just five, 10, 20 years from now, you need to have smaller scale regenerative farming. And I think it needs to be a blend between soil farming and some maybe urban hydroponic farming. Mm. Um, you see the blend of those, yeah. Yeah, and also cool. like, I mean, I know at least in America, like how much of our farmland is used to grow food to eat versus is it just growing grains or, you know, is it animal feed? So. Yeah, I mean, I'm shaking my head because I feel like that's like very real in 2019 going into 2020, you know, is is this um, like extended colonialist approach into economics where we just want to like raid the land to make something useful in the mathematical formula of creating economy. And it just makes like zero sense to my mind at this point, because I can understand why uh, people are saying this, but, but, but there are like a thousand and one more educated ways to, to go about it. And so I often ask myself, okay, where does my vision, where does my dream, where does my thinking meet reality in the here and now? And so that's why I'm having you on because you're clearly creating a solution in the here and now for people. Well, I think also people, for me, I, I think about industrial agriculture as it's, say it's um, either a corporation or say it's like a startup where the owner wants to just be able to sell the company immediately, right? So I kind of like make those comparisons in my mind because I think about industrial agriculture is, yeah, it's, it's probably really good for one or two people up on top for a short term because they know that that land is not going to exist soon so they can just leave that company and move on to something else you know um totally. and i don't want people to think that uh i'm not like a granola like you know like uh there's a lot of science and evidence about how bad industrial agriculture is for our land um yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, if it was the solution to global food distribution, then, then, you know, we already know right now we have enough food on the planet to feed the whole planet and we're simply not doing it. So um, that alone should, should like really make us like at least question or if not like shake our heads or, or, or rub our eyes and be like, okay, what else is possible? And so on the idea of what else is possible, Wenjay, I would love to understand if you were to single-handedly or with a group of people, if you were able to change the education system, what would you do? Are you talking about for the youth or for adults? Um, well, I'm always talking about both of those because I believe in lifelong learning, but pick, pick, pick your favorite or, or choose both. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, so currently the way uh, Local Roots is kind of built on is we, everything we do, whether it's the events we do or our markets or Instagram, we're always trying to find moments we can input like educational snippets in there. So for adults, we try to make education really fun and it doesn't feel like it's learning or someone's kind of judging you. It's just like, we're making the, we're making local food sexy as fuck and really delicious and you want to just eat it and you want to know more about it and we're gonna do it in a fun way. And mm, I think it's cool. the same thing with kids, right? Is how do we make sure that the kids have this tangible way of touching the food and also learning the basic things of, hey, this is what a vegetable looks like. Um, and I also think, you know, if I had 
my dream vision of education, everyone has to spend some time on a farm, whether it's part of like their gym class, right? Or it's part of their corporate retreats, is that every year you spend some time on a farm, digging your hands into the dirt and just learning some basic concepts about what, how food is grown. That sounds, that sounds exciting. I remember the first time I was on a farm personally, um, that was like, uh, in between, like I just finished high school back in Germany and I went on like a, you know, um, a civil service year and I got prepared for that because I did it within the, the Rudolf Steiner kind of foundation circle, which was new to me at the time. And they had a, like, it was a three week crash course. So I'd like dig and understand the values of Steiner and the, the Steiner foundations. And we were in Say that again. I said biodynamic. Biodynamic and Demeter. I'm not even sure if Demeter is a word in English, but it, it's it's this label when soil isn't just organic, but it hasn't been like touched with pesticides or even pesticides around it for like, I think like 30 years is the, the norm or so. And so we were on this like potato farm and we were like 25. We were only men or, or, or like young men at the point. I don't remember why exactly. And And so we were all 20 of us were on this field and we were like helping to weed the field. And I remember that on the way to that experience, we saw a um, like quotation marks here for everyone who is not seeing the video, like a, a regular farm, one where they use pesticides. And we drove by that one on the way back and we're like, oh my God, man, like there's zero weeding to be done there. But somehow, because we had our hands in the field where we were like weeding out one green after the other to leave room for the like really small but really delicious potatoes, we kind of realized that there's something special about this way and the way that it gives you nutrition. And, and it, it just like blew my mind how getting my hands dirty, and I was probably 17 or 18 at the time, um, how that changed my perspective on basically all of the food supply. And so that experience obviously like never left me. So I love your answer on that. Yeah, I would also just, I mean, I am a big advocate of curiosity. So even if you're not going to go to a farm, if that seems crazy to you, if you live in the city, like, I think even just asking questions or wondering how something works or how something is brought to you is a really great baseline totally. of education. And, you know, like, if you follow local roots, I want to see an Instagram, we, I, I just really try to push a lot of um you know like i'll do like sustainable cooking tips or how to store something or what our farm looks like so i think there's easy ways to do it in like a millennial generation uh through the internet of just looking at photos and yeah totally i think curiosity is like an innate factor in every human and we just gotta foster and cultivate it i have another question or two for you here and I want to know something like really pragmatic about your own life and the way you've learned, right? Like, so if there's, if there were like three lessons that you wished your like 15 year itself already knew, or you like, you would pass on right now to, to a younger version of yourself. Um, what are things you learned in the last few years and with, with starting up this, this initiative um, and this business? Um. I would tell my younger self one to charge accordingly or to price things accordingly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just because I, the quality of our food is so great. And um, once you have to hire other people to do 
if you're not the only one doing it, it starts getting expensive. Um, so that's definitely one, one thing. Um, I also think hiring a really great team early on or just being identified the kinds of people you really need on your team is really important. Um, I, I'm there now, but it took me a really long time to get here. And um, also it doesn't ever get easier owning a business and in the agriculture space, it probably only gets harder. So it's more just about how you view those challenges and the stress from work. Mm. Um, and yeah, so it's really just like taking time for yourself and realizing that you're your own person outside of your company. And also it's, it's not that stressful as long as you don't think it's stressful. Using adversity as, as a tool almost. Mm -hmm. yeah I like that also like taking time for yourself it's definitely it had to become a balance in my life otherwise you know you can only take so much before you actually connect with things from a place of consciousness that isn't actually creating what you're desiring right um, yeah I remember asking a question at a um, it was at a a meditation center and I asked this monk you know I was like just about almost like being exhausted from trying to be compassionate in the city all the time. And she was just saying that no, you can't, you can't have compassion for others if you don't have compassion for yourself. So I always think about that. Like I can't give to others the way I want to, unless I make time for myself. And to me, my job is so much to me, it feels like I'm trying to always nurture, you know, local food systems, but also the, my New Yorker, like fellow New Yorkers, um, so it's really important for me to have some personal time. Totally. So there, there's, there's kind of um, a follow-up question from, from what you just shared there and, and, and those insights, right? Like when you started this company, how, you know, my question is basically like, how did you, what did you do wrong that, that you, you don't regret that you did, that you did wrong? And, um, how did you make this space so that whatever is coming next, you're actually fully ready for? Huh? Well, I am pretty good at learning on the spot. <laughs> so I would say I probably made technically a lot of mistakes. Um, I don't think most of those mistakes I've never actually really regretted just because every day feels like it's like this, it really does feel like a spiritual journey to me. Um, Beautiful. So I, I don't really, I also don't really have time to really think about the things I did wrong because there's always something else to do. Um, I would, hmm. Yeah, I mean, to me, I'm, I'm also just, I run my business a lot different than I think most people do. And I think for a while, I really questioned if that was the right or wrong thing to do. I think sometimes, at least for me as a business owner, I compare myself to other people, right? So I think, is this the right way to run a business? Like I didn't go to business school, how would I know? I never had a business plan. I kind of do things based on intuition a lot. And I think that's something that most people in this world kind of stop doing. 
And I still kind of question it, you know, like, is this responsible for me to make a decision based on intuition? But I also think that it's, my intuition has always kept us on a really value-based mission. And it's been able to foster some really great partnerships we have. And after eight years, you know, like, I'm still working towards the same thing I wanted to work towards when I first started Local Roots. And I, I have some friends who are amazing, amazing farmers. And I just see in them what makes them so special at what they do and who they are in life is that they really trust their intuition. And I remember my brother telling me he's, um, he lives in a Buddhist community, but he also talks to me about, you know, we're so focused on the brain and we never really focus on the actual body or the heart and they're just equally as important. We just haven't valued the heart as much. So I base a lot of decisions on intuition, which I don't know if it's right or wrong thing to do, but I, I do it. Beautiful. Like I'm glad I asked this uh, spontaneous intuitive follow-up. So we got to hear that from you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I have a last question for you and that that's, that's really about um, planetary purpose and holistic visions for the earth. And so I want to, uh, ask you in my words, I would say, what is your dream for the earth? My dream for the earth is for all the beings to feel more interconnected to each other and to take care of each other. That's it. And yeah. to eat good food. <laughs> I like that. To be more aware of the interconnection and to, to take care of each other. Isn't that kind of like how, how it feels like when you're actually going to a farmer's market, like you get the feeling that, you know, if you've ever been to a farmer's market and it was a little odd, it's because farmers are just like slowed down to the pace of nature so much, right? It's, the, yeah. it's just this beautiful, like desire to truly connect and make the time to listen and, and be there with each other. I mean, what, to me, I'm really trying to create in every New Yorker's home it's almost like you're in a farm's ecosystem, right? Because, you know, on a farm, they have, they call, it's a virtuous cycle where the food they grow gets fed to something and then anything that doesn't get, you know, gets sold, it becomes compost, right? And it feeds the land and this, the cycle happens. It's better for the earth, better for the people. And in, in your apartment, you can kind of have a similar concept where, you get this produce from local roots farms. You cook from stem to leaf because we offer tips on how to cook your beet tops, your carrot tops, the parts that people don't usually cook with and usually throw out. And then we also teach them, okay, once you cook with everything, if you have any bit of scrap left, here's how to easily compost it or make it into veggie scraps. Or if you cook a huge batch of food, here's how you preserve it for later on. And then hey, let's also think and give thanks to the farms that grew this, right? So you're eating it, you're looking down on your plate and you're thinking about the actual farmers who grew it. So I'm really trying to kind of create this like farm ecosystem, virtuous cycle in an urban environment. Yeah, I, I love this, this short little interview because, you know, when I first got hit with this idea of green planet, blue planet, I mean, the blue planet is pretty self-explanatory. That's how almost everybody refers to planet Earth. Um, but the green planet part for me was just this like thriving flora on the, well, flora and fauna, actually, this like ecosystems on the planet and the diversity that the biodiversity that 
I think right now there's just, and rightfully so, a lot of narrative around how we're losing a lot of it. But I don't think that needs to be our core focus. Again, like I believe it's, it's what we should acknowledge and uh, see how we can change the decline. But then also, like, who are we supporting? What things are we doing to recreate and create uh, and facilitate a human species on the planet and the planet? Because as you said in the beginning of this interview, I have no doubt that the Earth is going to be around for a little longer than humanity. You know, we're just an experiment. Mm-hmm. But, but as we're here, like, how, how do we want to be around? And how do we want to be with each other? Yeah. And how do we want to treat our bodies and, and, and the body of, of the Earth? And it doesn't have to feel like a chore, you know, like I don't want anyone feeling like, oh, I have to buy organic produce. I mean, that's why food is a great tool to save our planet and our bodies and everything around us is that it tastes good, right? And if you get produce from amazing local farmers that are sustainable and that they take care of the earth and they're growing awesome varieties of produce for you, it's tastes so much better than anything you're going to get anywhere else right our whole like mantra is the future the future is flavor so we taste test Uh our produce love that yeah our our farmers are taste testing it on the farm to make sure they're delivering the best tasting stuff so it's not a chore like you're super excited to eat local produce because it tastes good the future is flavor. I love that. Those are perfect words to, to wrap this conversation up and to have a mantra to take home or, or an insight to take into one's day. Thank you so much, Wenjie, for the time and for sharing your passion and like just your drive about this whole topic. Yeah, thank you so much. It was so much fun. I'm sure we could talk for hours. but Pretty much, yeah. Thank you so much again. that's that another episode of green planet blue planet podcast i hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights knowledge and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life into your relationships or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world because this is a movement and we're all part of it very much so and we're in this together we're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win i win and the entire planet wins We're raising consciousness together, and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships because getting all of the juice, all of that life force that's in you out into the world is something you deserve and the entire world around us deserves. Also, I work with people who are entirely new to this, 
to the topic of planetary purpose or the topic of meditation, the topic of insight, evolution, and revolution. And if that's you and you're ready to step out of the ordinary and into creation, or if you know someone who is totally ready for that, make sure to check out the website or share the website. And you can also always shoot me a message on Instagram. I'll definitely read it and get back to you. Because, like, guys, this is real life. Let's be in touch and let's create this together. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host, both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments, and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected, because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in. Connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon. 